Kim Schmidt, Managing Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC talks with Lou Bordone of Flint Ag in Leesburg, Georgia, just a few weeks after Hurricane Michael hit. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who is making this podcast a reality. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. Casey and Lou start things off talking about the impact Hurricane Michael had on Georgia and the cotton crop. They also discuss the peanut and pecan crops and how they fared with the storm. Lou says over 27,000 acres of pecan trees have been recorded lost. I wanted to get Lou on. I had him on podcast a while back just kind of talking about what's happening in the south. Reached back out to him after Hurricane Michael went through and uh, I read a lot of stuff about destruction down there and how it affected the cotton crop and the different aspects that we started seeing you know from from the effects of that and i wanted to get some first-hand content of, of a area that got hit pretty hard in that in that very uh center you know kind of right through the main part of the cotton belt reached out to lou and he was kind enough to come back on the podcast so lou welcome back to the show i appreciate it casey thank you very much for having me on man no problem so man let's just jump right into it talk to me about hurricane michael and and kind of what you've seen so far in the last what two or three weeks now since uh since the hurricane came through yeah that's right uh yeah it's been it's been a good uh j- just over two weeks and i tell you what i mean the the news really doesn't do it justice i mean it's 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 as bad as it as it as it looks and um and i think to compound that and to add to that is uh, kind of our, our footprint, our, our AOR, the central region part of our operating region is just in the crosshairs. I mean, it, so that storm came up and some of the, some of the heaviest t- counties are some of our, you know, most uh, peanut and cotton uh, uh, strong producing counties. Um, so, I mean, when that storm crossed over the border into Georgia, um, I mean, there, there, there were recorded wind speeds of up to 110, 115 miles an hour which are insane for us. We will have, South Georgia is known and is uh, having some uh, tornadoes is, are, are not uncommon, but you know, a tornado will kind of choose a swath and create a lot of damage in, 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 that, in that path. Um, but I mean, this was like taking one of those, uh, one of those tornadoes and just spreading it out about a, uh, 80, 80 miles wide. So, I mean, the area of, of intense destruction was roughly 60 to 80 miles wide. The full size of the storm was just about 150 to 200 miles wide. Um, and I mean, if you can just imagine Georgia's uh, southwest corner, uh, Seminole County is going to be at that very tip. So the, that storm came in down there and just destroyed. I mean, Baker, Miller counties, uh, and then kind of made its way up and slowed down a little bit by the time it got to Leesburg. But it's, it was still, we're, we're just not amped. I mean, we're not prepared for a storm of that of that size it was it was pretty devastating i mean i i, I went down there I, I live i actually live up in atlanta i was up here when the storm hit i remember waking up the next day and it was uh in atlanta it was a 
beautiful day. I mean, it was like 72 degrees, not a cloud in the sky the day after the storm. And I looked at my wife and I said, listen, I can't in my right mind be here right now. So I, I packed my truck and I went down to South Georgia. You know, every county, the closer and closer you got to Leesburg, the more you realized, I mean, this is like an apocalypse. I mean, it, it was, it was people were having to cut themselves out of their homes uh, to wow. get out of their driveways. It, it's unbelievable. Okay. So talk to me about what you see happening with, you know, the cotton market and, and, and so what didn't get blown to hell with the hurricane got a lot of rain on top of it. And I'm sure it was outside the bowl by now. And, and you guys are getting, or at least getting close to that stage. And, and that's going to have a big effect on, on that crop. So talk to me about how, how the cotton market looks right now and, and how that's affecting your customers. Sure. Well, I mean, there, there, there's yet to be a correction. I mean, that, that I think, and I think that's an important thing to, to, to pay attention to. I mean, still there's, a, there's a lot of uncertainty left. I mean, you've got roughly, I mean, you've still got roughly 30, 25 to 30% of the crops still out in the field. I mean, people are picking cotton right now. So keep in mind, roughly when, when that storm came through, you, you, you were only about 10 to 15% of the way through the, the crop. You know, as, as far as the, there, there's two factors that kind of contributed to the devastation by, by location. So in, in, in normal conditions, um, you've got a, a, a two-week gap or a two-week delay between kind of that south, south Georgia, that Seminole, Miller County, Cotton, and anything kind of north of, of Lee County. Just due to that, that temperature difference, but they're able to get in there and, and plant a little bit earlier. Well, to add to that, this year with, with some of the, the weather delays, those northern counties were delayed further, another two weeks. So you had about a four-week uh, discrepancy or difference in your planning window from the southern tip of Georgia to that central, you know, uh, Doherty County, Lee County uh, area where our dealers, the center of our dealership is located. So a, a lot of it had to do with timing. So, you know, you had, you still had green cotton up where we, you know, north of us, where down in, uh, around Colquitt, Bainbridge, that area, you know, cotton had been defoliated and that's really where you had some losses. That, that's where you're seeing the losses of 75 to 100%. Three estimates are anywhere from 40 to 70% in that Southwest region. You know, we were, we were ramped up to uh, the, 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 the 2018 forecast, cotton forecast for the state of Georgia was around two, uh, 2.8 million bales, which is the second largest harvest on record. So, I mean, we were, we were set up to have a just unbelievable cotton harvest. So UGA forecasted 2.8 million bales. Preliminary data came, coming back from the gens um, pre-storm pre uh, pre actually went up to 3.2, 3.3 million bales. So it was even better than what was forecasted. Right now, the latest estimates of UGA extension is the losses are roughly a million bales. So that, that's kind of what we're, what we're looking at. And uh, with the majority of the, the losses being concentrated in, you know, again, Lee, Doherty, Miller, Baker County, all that kind of southwest tip of, of Georgia. So educate me here a little bit. I don't, I don't know that much about the cotton business, but, you know, growing up, where I've, where I've grown up at and, and understanding crop insurance and how that works. What, what's that like right now for, for cotton? I mean, do you, is, is there a crop insurance plan for that or how's that work? That's a great question. You know, and, and everybody's kind of uh, sorting through that right now. Yeah, there is crop insurance on, we'll get into the, uh, some of the other crops here in a little bit that are 
very sad. But um, as far as the cotton goes, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of historical data there. So, I mean, you've got bases and you've got, it's, it's based by, by field or by farm. So you've got a, you've got a base based on a historical yield or, or for, for a given farm. So, I mean, that, that's kind of a, a known value. I mean, you, you know what's going to come out of that, that settlement. Thing is, is right now, so guys are out there pre, pre-storm picking a 1,500, 1,800 pound cotton. Right now, they were just getting back in the field about a, you know, about a week ago. They're picking, the, that same guy maybe picking 500 to 600 pound cotton. And, you know, everything right now says that that guy's got to continue to pick. I mean, you know, whether it makes sense or not, they've got to pick that crop. As far as insurance goes, most folks are insured as far as that, that row crop. But the real devastating thing is just that difference. I mean, obviously, the, the, that insurance is not going to cover the fact that we were, you know, we were estimating a, 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 25, a, a 20% bump in, bump in yields. This year. So that, that's kind of where folks are kind of looking out and seeing and kind of optimistic and hopeful that any sort of government grants or government programs will kind of make up that difference. But that is, obviously, we're, we're far off from that so far that'll be after the first of the year when they kind of iron things out and see where it all kind of lands type of deal so that's a ways off yet absolutely we're going into elections and i mean it's that's going to take a while i mean it's going to be well past when these guys are you know fortunately the conversations have already started you know us being a deer dealer conversations with deer and some of our other you know equipment manufacturers as far as programs and things that we do to kind of take a little bit of pressure from from payments and uh, because again, it's it's going to be rough. I mean, these guys are really, really going to feel it. Yeah, it's going to be a struggle. Definitely going to be a struggle. So, obviously, you have, you know, being in Georgia, you're going to have peanuts and you're going to have pecan trees out there, and I'm sure those those, those two crops uh, suffered quite a bit with uh, the devastation that we saw there. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, let me let me start with peanuts. So, uh, as far as peanuts go, we were we were roughly. 30% into the crop, into, into harvest when that, when that storm hit. So as far as the damage, right now, the preliminary estimates of damage to peanuts are more than anything storm-related, which, which aren't much. I mean, you know, from everything I've, I've seen and I've, I've read, you know, 10 to $20 million losses, um, which, is, which is not much. But that, I, I think that that's not really where the damages are, are going to be are going to be realized. Um, so peanuts are, 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 are sensitive for maturity and that's really where the damage is going to occur. So we had a ton of damaged infrastructure. So, you know, we've got buying points just like, you know, you guys do, um, in, in every town. So we had, we had complete losses in some of those South, Southwest, uh, counties. So to the, to storage and, and drying facilities, um, this obviously put off harvest. It, it delayed harvest. The longer that crop stays in the field, you know, after the it's 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 ready to uh, harvest, is uh, the more you're going to be prone to disease and uh, uh, grading issues uh, as a result of of over maturity. So we don't know at this point. We're we've got about we've got about ten percent of the crop left in the ground, and guys are out there just trying to pull that stuff out out of the field as quickly as they can. I mean, it's a uh, I drove through it yesterday. I mean, those guys are just working as long as they, and then, well, and then the next would be pecans. I mean, that's really where the, I, I think that's really where the, where this is going to go down in the re, in the record book. State of Georgia is the number one pecan producing state in the, in the, in the country. Um, so you've got, you know, you've got anywhere from, you know, our, our pecan acres have been increasing uh, by five to 7% in the last five years. So I mean, people are actually putting in, uh, uh, more, 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 
pecan acres. Uh, they're converting a lot of row crop land. So right now, as far as full production acres, we're sitting on roughly about 140,000 established acres of pecans uh, with a total of about uh, 160 acres in, in various states of, of production. Just a, a little snapshot of the, of the scope of the, of the crop. You've got roughly a, a $285 million industry in, in, the state of, in the state of Georgia. Total production equates to around 120 million pounds of, of in-shell pecans. Right now, preliminary estimates as far as losses go, uh, ju- just as far as trees, tr- you know, d- down trees, you've got over 27,000 acres of, of pecan trees that have been recorded lost. That's roughly 750, about three quarters of a million trees that have been lost. Now, the, the bad news or kind of the, the scary thing about, about the losses here is that obviously pecan tree takes anywhere from six to eight, nine years to go into full production, Right. And so your question about, about insurance, the index of, of crop insurance on, on, on pecans is, is lower than what it would be on a lot of our row crops. You've got roughly 50% of producers that, that were insured, just crop insurance. I'm not talking tree insurance as, as, they, as they call it. But so that crop insurance is going to cover this year's crop. You know, it's not going to take into account any future loss. Preliminary estimates, again, by UGA Extension, we're, we're we've got a Dr. Lenny Wells at UGA. It's kind of our, our local pecan agronomist expert. He's been kind of tallying up and putting out a, a lot of good statistics. You know, you're looking at about $100 million in losses just in this current crop, about $200 million in losses in future revenues, you know, and about $260 million in losses in, in, in lost trees. So you're looking at about an overall loss to the industry is around $560 million. Devastating. I mean, you've got, you'll drive through, especially those, uh, you know, Doherty County, Lee County, Sumter County, those areas, and you'll see these beautiful 50, 100 year old uh, groves. These guys are just indiscriminately ha- having to bulldoze them down. I mean, it, there's, there's so much damage to these orchards that it's more trouble to kind of pick up what's down rather than just piling everything up and, and, and burning it. So for, for the most part, the guys are doing everything they can as far as salvaging what's on the ground. The issue is when the storm came, it shook everything out of it. So part of the cleanup effort is damaging the, the, the salvage. We'll get back to Casey and Lou in a moment, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Casey and Lou left things off talking about the devastation to the pecan groves in Georgia and the cleanup going on. Now here's Casey with a quick message about moving iron. Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Use Equipment Remarketing Roadmap. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Aga Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the U.S. Farm Report. 
If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at movingironllc.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at movingironllc.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now as Casey and Lou talk about how more farmers may potentially convert acres from wheat to cotton in 2019 and the impact that's going to have on the used combine market. They also touch on the conditions down in Argentina where Lou's family still farms. What's on the ground, is is it difficult to, I mean, I know they have special machines that kind of like giant vacuum cleaners that suck up what gets falls off the ground, but are they being are they able to go through there and pick that stuff up after they've kind of cleaned up the limbs that are down or i mean how, how are they doing that what how do they compensate for that that's a good question so i mean in in groves where that makes sense they're surgically going in and just trying to segment the gro- the, the the um the groves and, and and trying to pick up any debris and get up what they can so there, there are three cleaners, almost separators, where we'll come in and kind of separate the leaves and the debris, and then where they can go in and, and sweep and do the, the normal process. But it's just, I mean, they're, they're estimating it's, it's just, it's going to take over two months to go in there and try to harvest all those, all those nuts that are on the ground. And I mean, obviously you're going in there with uh, loaders and excavators and I mean, pretty much every piece of equipment that you can locate right now, because you any any equipment right now down here you're going in there just running over these nuts on the ground so that's really the issue the grade is going to be significantly affected because you're just picking up a lot of mog and you know it's uh it's pretty painful right now the issue is that those guys that that were insured are are going in there and cleaning up as fast as they can to where they can actually go in there and start somewhat of a harvest process the guys that were not insured are really having a struggle I mean, that's going to hurt for those guys. All right. So here's, here's a scenario for you. So I'm, I'm looking at, at the devastation there. So that what you're talking about, there's a three or four or five county area. And I'm sure that the areas outside of the main swath of the, of the hurricane as it came through still have significant amount of, of cotton damage just because of the amount of rain that came through. Exactly. Is that correct? Right. Okay. So there's going to be the cotton market's going to be affected by that. Obviously it's going to go up, right? Back here in the stripper cotton country, whether it be in or West Texas and Oklahoma Panhandle and, and Southern Kansas, where they have a lot of stripper cotton, they same kind of scenario. They had a, a uh, just a tremendous amount of rain come through, and that's going to affect the crop as well. So I got to think that the cotton market's going to go up, and it's going to displace some wheat acres, right? Oh, yeah. One of my biggest concerns that I have kind of moving through 2019 is how that's going to affect the, the used combine marketplace. I got to think that if there's more cotton goes in to wheat acres, um, there's going to be less demand for for used combines and, and the natural progression out of the north to the south. When you start looking at used combines and how they flow um, flow down from from the northern part of the U.S. to the to the southern part of the U.S. is going to be affected. It was affected this year with with drought, right? So we're going to move into the second year of of drought or not drought, but of of a 
something affecting the flow of combine. So sure. Um, sure. what's your feel for the combine market? I'm, I'm not sitting here telling everyone, oh, my God, this combine market's falling. It's going to be crazy. But I have concerns about that. I mean, if you look at inventories across, you know, the various websites that have that have them on there, that number has fluctuated very little between the, for over the last two years as far as right. on hand demand on hand inventory so right. what's what's your thought on the on the combine market and, and where do you think that's gonna continue to grow well i mean let me answer that like this right now cotton is so strong going into this season cotton acres were up by double digits you know in, in even in our part of the world i mean you're always going to have the guy that has the infrastructure to plant some some row crops and corn and and beans, but our cotton acres were up this year, and um, so I guess I'm answering this from the from the back from the backside here. I mean, from the from the from the from the south, is that our, our cotton acres were strong this year, and they're going to be stronger next year. You you just you just hit it. I mean, as far as the high spots, I mean, the, the storm was devastating, but the the good news and the highlight down here is cotton, and, and I think it will be going into next year. You know, there, there's a lot of other things going on in the marketplace and in the world. And I mean, the, the, the trade war is also affecting the, the cotton market. But I think that all in all, the net, the net uh, conditions are going to favor cotton production. Uh, there's, there is absolutely no doubt that cotton's going to be hot next year. Now, displaced acres, I don't know what that's going to look like. I know corn is forecasted to pick up a little bit next year, but then on the backs of, but then, you know, to argue that you, you've also got soybeans are going to be affected next year too. The market for soybeans are is going to be a little bit weaker than 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 what we would expect too. So it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year year next year to say. That. I know what the what the uh, what the new the CP cotton pickers and stuff like that and the CS strippers and stuff like that that has played an effect on the overall necessity for equipment in the field. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I mean, it was just uh, cotton is one of those deals where you had you had a bull buggy, you had a uh, a modular builder and a bull buggy, and you know you had just support equipment after support equipment going on. You don't have that anymore now when you're making bales, right? So how's that affected with the with the increase of, of uh, cotton acres? How's that affected your row crop tractor market? So I mean, round baler cotton was firmly in place ever since I I've been doing this. Um, so I, I didn't really know the times of your, your basket pickers and all the support. I mean, we've still got guys running basket pickers for sure. Um, but they're, but they're kind of few and far between. You've got a, a double effect there. So, I mean, you, you've got the combination of consolidation and consolidations and the effects of increased efficiencies, i.e. roller pickers. So that has significantly affected our demand for, for tractors as a, as a whole. And a, a lot of outlet in the, in the form of a, of a secondary market for, for some used equipment. I mean, you're not going to use your, your premium equipment for, for some of those support roles. That's obviously uh, affected our uh, a secondary market. So, and, and, it'll cont- and it'll continue to happen. I mean, you know, we're, we're starting to see it more and more. And I think that this storm is going to put it on in, uh, in, in fast forward as far as another, another sweep of, uh, of consolidations down here. I mean, there's guys that are going to be out of the business after, after the storm, maybe you're smaller guys, or I think it's also going to be age related. I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of guys that are to that certain age where it's, it's not going to be worth, you know, trying to rebuild. And they said, the heck with it, I'm getting out, you know, and, yeah. uh, and the, those acres are going to be picked up by your bigger boys. So, I mean, your utilization yeah. on, on that equipment is going to be, it's going to increase, but the consequent equipment sales are, are probably going to 
go down. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a good point. So that we're seeing that farm consolidation pretty pretty good around here too. I mean, it's, it has none. Of, I mean, some of it obviously is because guys are going out of business, but a lot of it is. Man, I've been fighting this for a long time, and I've I'm done. I've done. I'm good. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride off into the sunset, enjoy the rest of my life, and 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 rent my ground out to somebody. But 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 also that I mean, there's other folks that I mean, just due due to economies of scale, can sustain it. I mean, there, there's people that, you know, it's not like farming's a bad business. It's a bad business below a certain threshold. You know, and it makes more sense for, for other, for, you know, you, you've got good guys down here that, yeah, this form hurt, a bad year hurt. But those guys will make it. I mean, they, they, they're diversified enough and they're big enough where they can, they can sustain, you know, a, a bad year. 500 acre cotton farmer, 400 acre cotton farmer. This is hard to, this is really, really hard to overcome. Farming is like any other natural resource. You know, the more, the more that you can, that you can put into the hopper, the better off you are. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's all, it's all about driving your costs across whatever your, whatever your output is. Absolutely. You know what I mean? No doubt. That's exactly what it comes down to. No doubt. Okay. No doubt. So speaking of, of crops and, and, and kind of how things are, are moving forward, your family's from Argentina, and you still have your mom and dad down there working the family farm down in Argentina. And they had a, they had a very uh, rough year this year when you started had to, had a big drought come through, had trouble getting crops even planted, and then the drought came through, and then all of a sudden they got just tons of tons of rain on top of, right. of the drought situations, which made it hard to get what they could get out of the field out. So, talk a little bit about what's happened in Argentina and, and how how do you see that setting up going through the rest of uh, eighteen into nineteen. Sure, sure. I was actually, da- I was down there. I was down there in April. I just got back from Argentina about about a month ago, but I was I was down there in, in April when they were in the, in the heart of, of, uh, of harvest and it's every bit of bad. And I mean, so my, my family farms um, in the heart of bean country, I mean, we're in uh, kind of between Cordoba and Santa Fe, which is kind of the sweet spot. It's just um, historically some of the uh, Santa Fe is the second highest producing uh, soybean province in, in, in Argentina. It's an amazing country. I was down there and it was a, it was a dust ball. I mean, it, it, was, it was unbelievable how dry it was. Unbelievable how dry it was. Um, I think we were on like the 140th you know, day without, without rain, something like that when I was down there. And um, these fields were just, and again, I mean, they, the plants, you could, you could see the plants and the infrastructure was there to have some amazing yields, but the plants just never filled out. So just like you said, Casey, you know, the, the drought obviously affected the development. Um, they were going in there, they, it was just doing terrible. And then all of a sudden, about halfway through the, the harvest, the rain just started coming down. So, I mean, they were unable to harvest a, a, a good uh, a portion of that, of that crop. And when they did come out, uh, the the grades were were terrible. So I mean, overall, uh, Argentina's soybean crop in 2018, uh, the estimates of o- overall estimates were, were off by somewhere between 35 and 40 percent. Yeah, yeah, which equates to which equates to somewhere around 120 million tons um, of of loss of of of, of, of overall loss. Uh, Argentina being the third largest soybean producing country in the in the world, um, their harvest is you know, somewhere around uh, 300 and something million tons. So they were off by a third there. Um, the, the, the good news there is that the, the good news there is those wet conditions coming out of bean, uh, out of soybeans produce, produce some real favorable conditions to go, go going into uh, wheat season. So um, Argentina is actually ramped right now to have a record wheat 
wheat product, uh, wheat harvest this year. So, I mean, they'll be going into wheat harvest here in the next 15 to 20 days. So they'll be in full swing in, in December. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hopes that that will help turn things around or uh, give, give a little break to the farmers that have had two years of, of devastation, you know, so, so you know, the, the year before you had a lot of, a lot of issues with rain and the inability to go get in there and, and, uh, and harvest. So, um, so you got, you got two years in a row for some reason. It's crazy to think about that, man, that they've, they've gone that long with that much devastation across the board and, and how that's affected the overall world market too. I mean, there's, that had a big effect on, on the price of soybeans when they started getting those reports out. Oh, yeah. Um, they spiked up, obviously, they've come back down since then. But it's going to be a trying year for commodity prices, irregardless of um, what you see happening out there, whether it's a storm or trade wars or whatever it might be. It's going to be a 2019 shaping up to be a very interesting year and in how it, I mean, even in the end of 2018, is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there are a lot, some of the, some of the, you know, Brazil is, is really going to, going to, gonna emerge here i mean everything's pointing to there a lot of contracts and are are, are pointing a lot of people uh, uh locking down contracts with, with 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 brazil soybeans it's actually interesting argentina being such a big soybean producing country we actually just booked our the, the u.s uh, argentina just booked the largest uh, soybean purchase from the u.s in i don't know 20 years about one hundred and twenty thousand tons of soybeans from from the u.s about just a, a couple months ago but i don't know next year is is really going to be up in uh, up in the air like you said all right lou well we've been going here for a little while and and uh i think i've got everything checked off my list that i want to talk to you about so do you have any uh final thoughts before we shut it down no no uh, uh, again um we we appreciate being on here and being able to kind of let everybody know what, what what how things are going down here but uh we're really hoping that things move quickly. I mean, every, everybody's looking to the government and kind of seeing that, you know, some, some sort of response and, and some help. Cause I mean, th- this is, uh, this storm was really devastating, but you know, we'll, we'll pull through, man, we'll make it. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to check back maybe, in a towards the end of the year, I mean, we're getting ready to get into the heart of our tractor selling season. And, um, I think that's going to, tell the tale. I mean, I, I think that's really going to be what's going to tell, you know, how, how these fo- folks are poised and how this storm really affected them. Absolutely, Lou. Well, definitely I will check back with you guys after the first year to see how things shaped up the last quarter of the year and, and kind of get your perspective on on what the uh, what the Southeast is going to uh, look like going in 2019. So I appreciate you being on the podcast, man, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you then. Casey, thanks for what you do. Appreciate it, buddy. Right. Thank you. Thanks, bud. Casey and Lou, we've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash ask the expert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it on our Ask the Expert blog. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably. While Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, 
or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. We hope you'll tune in with us for our next episode when Casey and Aaron Fintel discuss the four-wheel drive market. For Casey and Lou, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.